0: everybody it's
1: get go time and our weekend recap we discuss the tight race in germany as the bundesliga heats up we also discuss serie a la liga as atletico madrid leads still with three games in hand but barcelona is coming back and of course everything that you wanted to know about the fa cup we have jimmy conrad Heath Pierce. weekend recap kego lasso begins right now What's up, everybody? Welcome to Que Go Lasso, our weekend recap. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. Heath, I'll start with you. How are you, bud?
2: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing very good. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just doing very good. It's a good. It's a good day. Good weather this weekend. Life's good.
1: Well, that is so great to hear. And Jimmy Conrad, I presume you have the same energy as always.
3: I always, I, as as Heath once famously said, my positivity brings him down. I'm going to try to over positive Heath Pierce here and his wonderful mustache. If you guys can't see, you're missing out because it is something special.
1: It is beautiful. I, I have some uh, some real Magnum Pi here. Thanks, <laughs> it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, Heath Pierce. Well done. Keep it, please. Bigote o muerte. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it and I want that on a t shirt. Uh, welcome everybody to Kego Lasso Pod, our weekend recap. Of course, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and we're going to break down all the action of the weekend, which includes, of course, the FA Cup, Serie A, La Liga, etc. etc. But we begin, we begin with the Bundesliga. Yes, we want to show some love to the Germans, uh, top league because the race is. It is super tight uh, after Bayern Munich loses to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mönchengladbach were 2 nothing down, and then they came back to win it 3-2. Uh, Borussia Dortmund with Erling Haaland fully back. They win uh, really convincingly against RB Leipzig. Uh, Leverkusen drops points against Werder Bremen, meaning that the title race in the Bundesliga is crazy tight, boys. You got Bayern Munich with 33 points, Leipzig with 31 points, Leverkusen with 29 points and Dortmund with 28 all having played 15 games, Jimmy Conrad, let's begin with you. This is a good fun race. How do you see it? Any talking points from any of those matches or anything that we saw in Germany?
3: Well, I got to, I want to start first and foremost that we had a 19 year old American score a hat-trick for Schalke. Their first win in 361 days in the league. Uh, They, they, and he scored, I mean, it's unbelievable. He scored a hat-trick. Matthew Hoppies' is his name. He uh, has only played five professional games, so for him to have this type of performance for a club that has obviously a rich history and, and uh, was desperately looking for a win was uh, nothing short of incredible. Uh, Amin Harit, I think that's how you say it. Harit, uh, their number ten for Shaka was fantastic as well. He had a goal and three assists, so uh, really special performance from him. I wanted to give him a shout out right off the top because from an American perspective, we could, maybe we might have a number nine, a new number nine. At our disposal, and we're looking for for strikers that are consistent. So he's putting his name in the hat. There's something to, to unpack, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But I am really surprised that Bayern Munich, with a two-zero lead, dropped three consecutive goals to Borussia Gladbach who were without Marcus Thuram, who has been suspended. And so I, I kind of look at Nicolas Sula here from a defensive perspective. He tried to hold a high line when he didn't need to. He's given bad balls away that led to goals. I mean, fair play to Mönchengladbach for for absolutely punishing them. For, for those mistakes, but really unlike Bayern in so many different ways, again, showing their vulnerability out of the back, whether it's defensively or playing out of the back. So I don't know. I don't know what to take from that. I'm a Nicholas Sula fan, but I just didn't think, didn't think he had a good game. And now, as you said, it opens things up. And, and Borussia Dortmund, I think, is the team that made, uh, are going to take the biggest advantage because they're the only team in the top six that actually won this past weekend. So that's going to give them a lot of confidence. Erling Holland, obviously, scoring goals. Jadon Sancho now got two goals in two consecutive games. Maybe he's starting to round into form. So I'd watch out for Dortmund right now. Really disappointed with Leipzig, I'd say, with their performance. It was a big one for them, and they couldn't unlock Dortmund in any way. But, yeah, those are the big storylines for me.
1: Yeah, well done there, Jimmy Conrad Heath-Pierce. Uh, you know this league very well, of course. How, how did you see it this weekend? Uh, I mean, we've talked about, I mean, we talk about how good Bayern is, obviously, but we have also talked about that every now and again. They show their vulnerabilities, and you saw it uh, this weekend. How, how did you see it this weekend?
2: Yeah, Jimmy's been spot on so far uh, in, in, this, in this season in the sense that, that Bayern have had these constant wake up calls going, going behind. Right. And this time they went up and, and had an inability to keep that lead. They shut off a little bit. Yeah. It was individual mistakes. Um, but you know, uh, again, the theme for me was, was Gladbach winning the ball high up the field and in dangerous positions, similar to the way that that Dortmund are playing. Uh, as well. Dortmund to me are, 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 the team now, uh, that Favre had them pressing somewhere around the half line, a little over the half line. Now they're pressing high and they're winning the ball in high spot. So everything was coming in transition and fast and with Holland back, it really springboards this attack. And when you look at Holland and you look at Reina and you look at Sancho and you look at Royce when they're on the way that they were this weekend against, against RB Leipzig and, and, and winning in, in Leipzig is not, is not easy. Even, even regardless of, of fans in the stadium. They are one of the best four or, or attacking four in the world when they are, when they are on. And, and, and to watch them play like that was really impressive. I also want to point out, by the way, in the Schalke game, it's really sad to see them down by the, by the uh, relegation zone or in the relegation zone. The thing that Matthew Hoppe did uh, that saved them from is if they had lost that or didn't win that game, they would have tied an all-time record from Tasmania Berlin, uh, which would have been 31 games without a win going back to 1965, 66 season, um, which obviously would have been, I think Western Germany, um, or perhaps that was the Eastern German league, but yeah, it was a uh, really uh, a huge performance for 19 year old. I also want to put it into perspective that had this happened a couple of years ago, he would have been our hope. And now you look <laughs> at it. And again, I, I keep, I keep trying to harp on this the, the pipeline of players. Now he's not going to have the attention that would like he, if he had a hat trick, 10 years ago, he would have failed us in his career. There's no way he could have lived up to the expectation at 19 years old that we would have put on him in the U.S. But now he's spread out across all these players playing in all the, uh, the big five leagues in Europe. And uh, it just gives us another thing to be excited about. We're not putting everything on him to win the 2010 World Cup, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really good point. It's a really good point that, you know, there's so much talent everywhere that it's like, it's a great story, but like, it's just one of many. Uh, Just one point uh, about the Bundesliga boys. Uh, Jimmy, I'll go back to you and then Heath, your thoughts. Uh, You know, it's incredible. I know we've said it a lot, but Erling Haaland is just ridiculous. Like, it's honestly amazing. His first goal, I want everybody to just go back and see. I mean, it was beautiful teamwork, but he started it off because he's so big and strong, but his footwork like, is like Romario-esque. Like, he's just so quick. And that's really scary for everybody else about Borussia Dortmund. So now, to me, the balance in the Bundesliga is like, look at Dortmund, everybody. After next week, when they play men's though, that's when you're going to see some real challenges. You know, they play Mönchengladbach, back, and then after that, they have, well, they got Augsburg after that. But then, you know, there's other games that include, I believe, do, you have to, do, they, do they play Bayern again later in the season or no?
3: Yeah, they'll play them one more time.
1: Well, so, so there's going to be a few more challenges for them, but I feel at the turn of this year now, Borussia Dortmund this is the team that is doing some good things. I, I, I know we always say it, and then Bayern suddenly wakes up once again, but what would you say to now the title race in the Bundesliga, Jimmy Conrad and Heath, after you? Like, is, is it still Bayerns? Uh, have they shown enough vulvi- vulnerabilities to maybe say that somebody else? What do you think?
3: <laughs> I mean, come on. This is Bayern Munich's league to lose, even though they did drop the points against Borussia Gladbach. There is something going on with the team, whether they're going down in in games, whether they're relaxing. They had chances to put Borussia Gladbach away. They didn't. They're making silly mistakes, things that I think are easily correctable. It's one thing if, for me, when you look at Borussia Dortmund, if you take Erling Holland out of that team, they're not the same. You take Lewandowski, obviously, out of Bayern. They still have other options, and they still wouldn't be the same. But they got other ways to hurt you. I really feel like Erling Holland does unlock a lot of things and it opens up space for other players. Jadon Sancho is now taking advantage of that. I saw something Erling Holland did, and this was so, this is so in the weeds, but for people that love the game, on the first goal for Jadon Sancho against RB Leipzig, he, it's a throw-in on the sideline, okay, for Dortmund. He waits, it's just a simple throw-in by midfield. And he bodies the guy, rolls the outside back, and then that's what unlocks the whole thing. He's now running at the back line. Somebody has to slide over. And then he slots it across. Jaden Sancho makes a great run. But it's all these little things that Erling Haaland does that's now creating space for everybody else. If he stays healthy, then I think Dortmund have a chance. But I think over the, the course of, you know, I don't know, the next five or six months, I just don't see Bayern dropping points. It's just due to a lack of concentration for them. It's not talent at all. I think Hansi Flick knows what he has at his disposal, and I think they're going to turn it on when it matters. They do play Dortmund. Excuse me, Bayern do play Dortmund one more time. It's at the Allianz in in Munich, so they have some advantage there. Maybe the only thing that could throw off Bayern at this point is if they are just so concentrated on winning the Champions League again that they're trying to throw everything into that to do be repeat champions to something to that effect. Cause if Dortmund get knocked out or whatever it may be, you know, maybe they, they can then focus on the league. I don't know. I don't know if Dortmund has enough to con- to consistently be as good as Bayern but if Bayern are going to continue to slip up, I, 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 they're still the favorites for me. Maybe Heath feels otherwise.
1: Well, Heath, your thoughts.
2: Yeah. I I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with that. You need Sancho to play like he did this game for every game for yeah. the rest of the season. Sure. Otherwise you got, and you need Holland on the field for every game for the rest of the season. Then I think you have your chance because again, that opens up the field when Reyna, when Reyna and, and, and um, Sancho switch sides, just the dynamic movement between them, it, it just changes things. And it allows Royce to be a much more effective player than having to do a lot more. But again, even like second goal aside, all of the footwork that he had setting up the play and then being able to finish it on the back post. The first one was just as important. Like Jimmy said, he explodes with the ball and as soon as he takes off everyone around him knows get in the box and go and granted it's a great ball cross Royce does a nice little flick to put Sancho on the back post but that speed of the game when he's on and they're pressing high changes everything you know when they were sitting back they had so much more ground to cover under Farver when they started to sit back a little bit deeper in their press when they press high like that that explosive movement, but again. They have to be able to do that every single game. And we've already seen a dip in their form. We've seen a dip in Sancho's form. Obviously, I think a lot of that pressure came from this big move to Manchester United. That didn't happen. Hopefully, he's settled back in, and we're going to see that for the rest of the year. Because, again, we came out of this sort of crunch of games going, oh, man, the big teams are all in a place to win this. And now we're starting to see that tighten up again, or at least a, a changing of the conversation, which I'd like to see.
1: Yeah, let's not forget as well, Alex Witzel's injury, uh, uh, torn Achilles tendon out for several months. We don't even know if he'll make the European Championships. It's a shame for for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, you know, quite a big loss right in the, in, the, in the middle of the park.
3: Yeah, no question. I would also add that Marco Royce usually only stays healthy for about three weeks at a time. So, despite him playing well at the moment, if he can stay healthy, which is a big if, that will make a big difference. And to Heath's point, the higher he plays up the field, the more he can work his magic and really start to connect all the dots with Erling Holland and Sancho and Reina. I mean, these are good problems to have for Dortmund. And yes, playing higher up the field has made such a big difference for them, especially because you probably don't even have to change your pressuring system so much, right? You can still probably use what Favre was put in place. Just just go up twenty higher, twenty yards higher up the field. And it's obviously paying dividends at the moment. RB Leipzig didn't have any answers. I think Leipzig will still have some questions to, to answer of these big clubs as well. I think they're going to be competitive until the very end. Bayern Leverkusen, I think, are going to be there too. They're one of my favorites to, to potentially win the Europa League. They're super talented, so we'll see if they can manage multiple competitions. But when you think about depth, you think about concentration, and you think about experience, Bayern Munich just ticks all those boxes. And so this is their league to lose, obviously. And we'll see if they, they find a way to do that. I, I'd be surprised. Dortmund usually stutters there at the end, but you never know.
1: Okay, so you're staying with Bayern Munich to win
3: it. 100%. Heath? I'm staying with Bayern Munich.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm going to be boring. Move.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but I will I, I will say that I'm going to follow Dortmund intently with hopes that I am wrong. I would love to be wrong. I will follow them intently. Oh, of course, we'd love games to be Because they're so fun to watch. Um, but yeah, you sometimes you got to follow uh, logic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The key calendar period, by the way, would be the last week of February, the beginning of March, when you do play, they play each other. And there's also the Champions League as well. So that should be very interesting to see. All right. When we return, a very quick break. When we return, the FA Cup, the magic of the FA Cup third round. Stay right here.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
4: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly, and our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbssports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. We talk now the FA Cup third round, the magic of the FA Cup third round, where the big boys, the Goliaths, usually play against uh, smaller opposition. Uh, That would be the same case if Newcastle played Arsenal as well, right, Jimmy? It's the same thing.
3: Oh, my God. (laughs) The
2: Giants of Arsenal. Look, too if you serious. can't see this, I got Arteta pinned on my wall <laughs> with a jersey, match-worn jersey, because he's the oh, man.
1: Oh, too funny! But the third round is always an interesting one, as you see. Of course, so many interesting matchups. I mean, I'm not going to talk about all of them. i just briefly mention a few, and I'd like to see. Uh, Some of the takeaways from Heath and Jimmy, of course, we remember from Friday, Crystal Palace loses to Wolves, Uh, Liverpool beats Aston Villa's under nines, Um, and then later on in the weekend, of course, we had, what else did we have, Uh, a few good games as well, Leeds United losing to Crawley Town 3-0, Brantford beating Middlesbrough, uh, Arsenal beating Newcastle 2-0. It took them two extra time, but it happened. Leicester City beating Stoke, so many, and Manchester United, Watford as well. So uh, let's just break down some of the takeaways. Uh, Jimmy, let's begin with you. Uh, w- w- any takeaways from the FA Cup third round? It's always a fun one. Of course, I didn't even mention uh, the historic one where Tottenham, faced marine which is the biggest gap in terms of a mismatch uh you know eighth tier marine uh, playing against tottenham and joseph marine
3: yeah i mean vinicius and uh deli ali look good lucas look i mean pretty much all of tottenham look good they had a 16 year old score for them as well but vinicius had a hat trick so fair play to him marine congratulations what's a there's a bigger conversation i think to be had at that division because right now they're talking about non-league teams not having their seasons not count for for two consecutive years and that's a lot of a lot of hair is going up a lot of people are upset about that and they should be because all of these players have been putting themselves at risk to play you know during all of this stuff that's going on with covid and now their season's not going to count so there's a lot of there's a lot to uh, uh unpack there but let's just talk about the positives and that's not newcastle in the fa cup third round so here are some of the things that i thought were of note. i have them on my post-its here Love it. That's why, why,
2: hence hence the phrase of note, Jimmy.
3: (laughs) 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 So Kai Havertz and Timo both scored for Chelsea. And yes, you can say whatever, the competition isn't great, but when you're under that type of pressure, like those two guys are in particular, hitting the back of the net, Kai Havertz had an assist as well on Werner's goal. It doesn't matter as long as you kind of have that feeling and kind of re-engage with that what that means and the pressure that that takes off because yes you finally did it you scored people will get off your back for at least a game and I think that's going to be very helpful for Chelsea moving forward uh, Scott McTominay I thought was very good for Manchester United scored the winner against uh, and he was the captain also in Manchester United's win over Watford the big storyline from that game for me was Donny Beek who hasn't started a game for Manchester United they paid 40 million from him from Ajax he's a fantastic player and if you guys can see the highlights of this He's got this little one-two, this little cheeky back heel, the one Mata to unlock the defense, and it was sick. And, and I don't know how he can't get into the team. I mean, he must be balling these guys up in training day in and day out, but yet they can't find a place for him. And, yes, I know that Fred and McTominay are kind of doing the dirty work for the team, and that's allowing them to get results, and it's hard to break that up. But still, Donny Beek needs to get on the field somehow in some way and, and get more minutes. Ronald De Boer, a, a famous Dutch player, came out and said that he needs to either leave the club or play more, otherwise – He's wasting his time at Manchester United. So there's definitely some drama there from Ole Gunnar to, to figure out. Uh, another thing that I have, I don't want to talk about <laughs> the Arsenal Newscastle game. I'm, I'm mad at Andy Carroll for missing a sitter. That's all I'm going to say there. Leeds, Leeds lost 3-0 to Crawley. They got leads by, by another team. Somebody came at them with a ton of confidence, played their style, scored you know a couple fortunate goals, but still. That's interesting. I think a bit of an embarrassment for Marcelo Bielsa. It's one thing to get slammed 6-2 to two by, by Manchester United, but to get beat by a team that you shouldn't lose to is uh, something different. And then outside of that, I thought uh, Manchester City were excellent in their game um, against Birmingham. I, I, they scored. Bernardo Silva scored an absolute cracker of a volley seven minutes in. They were up 3-0, I think, after 30 minutes. The way they're playing right now, Would make me nervous for everybody else in the premier league and even the champions league i think man city are on something special right now and and uh, that was my big takeaway
1: yeah i agree well done there by the way side note on the crawley town when mark wright gave a cameo and if you don't know google him he's a personality a reporter he was in the famous reality show the only way is essex so uh, a person a reality show personality
3: isn't that what is that marcelo bielsa isn't that insulting to, like, bring that guy on against Leeds? I feel like that's insulting to Bielsa and Leeds to, to, like, hey, we're up 3-0 on these guys. Let's <laughs> let's just dunk in there. Let's flex on these guys and throw us some reality star on the field. That just seems ridiculous. Normally,
1: I would agree with you, but this is a league two side who's just, like, waiting to have their moment. And to be honest with you, like, come on. If you can't beat Crawley Town and you're losing 3 nothing, we're going to bring on This is XX star to see it. All right, what, All right, <laughs> when i was all reading right.
2: when i was reading about that by the way it, it was they've signed him to a non-contract um contract essentially yeah, extra so, embarrassing yeah, yeah, for yeah. Leeds united <laughs> i
1: think all right heath how about you uh any takeaways i mean well, i know that you want I to talk, talk about arsenal the UK.
2: <laughs> yeah look, i think arsenal should have lost in regular time obviously jimmy said it right andy carroll had uh not one but two two good looks uh in regular time um uh but arsenal go through and also i want to point out that jimmy had a lot of notes that was a lot of notes that like, was a lot are, of notes actually. i'm I, I don't know you why i'm even here i'm posting i'm i'm being replaced by ai jimmy like ai jimmy <laughs> is like like you know scouring the internet watching too many games like you know but i i i will say this the the darby county game and i know we talked before we rolled on this this uh recording you know, you talked about him being like, you know, the, at, at one point I was watching the highlights again and they said, oh, the, the, 21, year, the 21 year old, one of the older players uh, for Derby today. Um, and, and I got me thinking about, and I may have told this story before, but these are young professionals and, and they're playing against, uh, I believe, are they non, are they a conference team as well? Non, non,
1: yeah, so just uh, to recap everybody, this is uh, Darby County losing 2 nothing to Chorley uh Chorley fc which i mean what a name first of all right but
2: (laughs) it's it's amazing but when you look at the field right there's a few things that happened to me when when i saw this one i got the nostalgia of playing in cup matches in europe uh and and same thing with us open cup you play in some like smaller stadiums away and teams come at you with things you've never seen before. There is a pace to them and an energy to them that I know it gets thrown around a lot. This sort of like cup final for every team when they go on these, but you could see the intensity of, of truly set pieces became a big thing. they were crashing everything in the box. And I don't know if you've ever played in Jimmy, I'm sure you have. And obviously Luis, you have a men's league game in, in England. Like there are people throwing their head where you wouldn't put your foot uh, in men's league games and rec games. And you can see that sort of style of play when you play against some of these teams that some of these guys have full-time jobs or most of them have full-time jobs and they come in on the weekend, uh, or, and, and, take and blow off some steam, but a lot of them can play. And if you go down and you do the research, you see a lot of these guys were in academy systems. They were, they were young players and you see the amount of talent that actually falls through the cracks from big academies down, down on. And it got me thinking about, uh, and I'll tell a story real quick when I, I played it and I may have told you guys the Celtic story before, have I told you guys that on this, where uh, I played in a cup game in Denmark, we we're playing against a, a third division team. And I was playing against a, a guy who was in his late twenties, but was supposed to be the next whatever in Denmark. <laughs> Didn't work out, uh, you know, went a different route, probably partied too much, but I ended up playing against him. He was on a really crappy pitch and I wanted nothing to do with that da- that game. These guys were semi pros. It was cold. The pitch was terrible. I, I you know, I was at a point and, and my ego got to me and I played terribly. And after the game, uh, we ended up winning and, you know, just fighting it out and grinding it out. But they kept possession. They won every, every stat they could win, they, they won. We ended up just winning on the scoreline. And after the game, my coach named Morton V. Khorst, he just had, had just retired, come back from Celtic uh, to Denmark and retired. And he was our head coach. And he pulled me aside and was like, hey, listen, if I had anybody else to put in that day, I would have taken you out uh, at halftime. And he goes, and I also want to let you know that Celtic were here today to make a decision on you. Oh my God. And the reason they came today is because anybody can play on a nice pitch against a good team, a, a good player, but most of the time Celtic is going to play against scrappers. And they, yeah. they came here unannounced to see how you scrapped and you were terrible. And I remember him saying, they're not interested in you anymore. And this is a true story. And I remember thinking about it going like, wow, I took this game for granted. I came out with a little bit of an ego. I, I wanted to be rested for this. I didn't want to be out there. They, mo- I was playing with mostly young players playing against these these uh, otherwise pretty terrible uh, players that were just working hard. And I, I had the one guy on my side that was supposed to be this talent, super pacey guy was running me to the corner flag over and over and over again. And I'm talking about semi-professional players. Yeah. A semi-professional team. And I remember that learning lesson. And and, it, and the reason I, I say this, is I look back at these Derby kids that are all professionals and they should be able to close out against uh, amateurs and semi-professional players. You should be able to have the ability and understanding of uh, and and i think they will come out of this with a learning lesson a lot of them might not get a look again for a long time in the first team and the others might not like uh, hopefully they learn from this and take it to their next games knowing that every one of these games matters because that was a learning lesson for me um and, and and it wasn't until i lost something that i realized that every game like that has an importance especially when you're a young player i was 21 years old like a lot of those guys were on the field
1: yeah, no, that's a it's a really good point. And listen, by the way, no, no, uh, Chorley, they're, they're in the uh, National League North, which is the sixth tier of English football. So, you know, and then, you know, if you connect that to, you know, uh, what Marine did against Tottenham, yeah, they lost five, nothing, but we're talking about players in this squad who are part-time. Also, they're teachers, NHS workers, whatever. And to Jimmy's point, when he talked about Carlos Vinicius or whatever, he knows like any moment that he has, he has to take it. Like, it doesn't matter who you're facing in front of you. You just got to go for it. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why the FA Cup, especially the third round, is so important. Jimmy, any final thoughts from you before uh, we conclude the FA Cup? Because it was exciting and it's always good. And, you know, especially in a COVID uh, year when fans are so important, especially for lower division teams, it's always good to see that the tournament is still continuing.
3: No, I know there was a big online campaign about raising money for Marine in particular, and they sold 20,000 virtual FA cup tickets for that. So that's amazing. That's very cool. And I I want to hat tip to anybody that did that online, that, that, that's something special. And then Heath, what were you doing dude that's an amazing story and you you totally blew it your whole career yeah. sucks now <laughs> you blew
4: I, I, it
2: <laughs> I, i'm a, i'm a rangers fan now just so you guys know uh, lifelong rangers fan that's why it was i heard i saw that guy up there with the with the with the celtic press and i was like i'm not going there oh wait no. hey but my my uh, J- Jamie Carragher also sponsor uh, became the the mat- the sponsor for that game as well. Yep. Uh, their their previous uh, biggest crowd was six thousand. Their stadium holds thirty one hundred or something like that, and they sold twenty thousand. So uh, not that that makes up for any revenue and things like that, because it is really really tough time for lower division teams. But uh, you know, a it's bright cool. point um, is is always nice to look, nice to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was the FA Cup. But before I go, I have to salute Aston Villa, who's under eighteen and under twenty three team played Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp who complains all the time about not being able to rotate his squad plays Liverpool's pretty much starting 11 and it was 1-0 at halftime thanks to uh, the next Jagrilish, Louis Barry. So listen to me. Anytime Klopp complains about rotating time, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to <laughs> hear it. He was playing 16, 17-year-olds and he was like, oh my God. We're, we're, we're... He brings on Thiago Alcantara at halftime because he's worried about our under-17s.
2: If this was, if this was like the sixties and this was sixties radio, Luis would have just sold these people to think that they drew one, one. He only gave us the <laughs> halftime score. Didn't give us, say, didn't wow. give us. Yeah. And they finished uh, one, one at halftime, you know, the young guys really, uh, put in a, a, a full performance, but I'm, I'm with you. I agree with you, Luis.
3: Oh uh, that's that's what I tell people when we played Germany back in uh in a friendly back at the Westfalen Stadion. <laughs> hey, it was 0-0 zero, zero at half. We played against Germany. Excellent game, you know. Hey, finished, you know what? You know, it was Florida also 0-0. Zero, zero, 2009
2: Gold Cup final was 0-0 zero, <laughs> zero at half. Uh you know, we tied at halftime. I've tied that's Mexico it. and won twice, so. That's right. We tied
1: at halftime and never one 4-1. Anyway, move. <moving. laughs> Stay right here after another break we'll be uh, rounding up the rest of Europe including La Liga and Serie A. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody. Que lasso pod weekend recap. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. Let's now uh, walk around, move around, travel around Europe, and uh, let's talk about, well, very quickly, Mauricio Pochettino got his win uh, with PSG uh, against Brest. I mean, aside from the fact that Moise Keane uh, is looking good, and of course, slowly but surely, at least Poche gets his first win. Uh, and then now moving to Italy, Serie A. Really, really tight. Once again, uh, a few good results, including Roma Inter ending 2 all in that one. Um, let's talk about that game and a few other uh, storylines from Italy there, Jimmy Conrad, because you had your we, – we had some betting tips on this one. How would you do on that one?
3: Uh, that's a good question. I don't even have that that sheet up. I just try to – I give you guys the bets, and I just hope the best for you guys. But I'll take a look at that while Heath's talking at some point. I think you
1: said both teams would score, so I think that, that's definitely what happened.
3: I did. I want to say that I had the draw in Roma versus inter because I didn't think anybody had the advantage. So I'll have to look that up so I can really sound smart once again, as I do, but that was a fantastic game. Roma versus inter. I thought the draw was a fair result. I thought Paul Lopez and goal for Roma in particular made some huge saves and uh, they did enough. I mean, if you guys saw the last 10 minutes, 10 minutes of that game, you would have thought Roma was dominating this whole thing. They had 10 shots in the last 10 minutes, finally found the equalizer to make it 2-2. inter, very similar to some other clubs around the world seem to maybe even like bruce munchen gladbach esque where or bayern munich a little bit too where they just have all these lapses in concentration and right now they're getting punished for those lapses And they're not finishing out games and not closing out games. So a big draw for them. Both of these teams now second and third Uh, Milan, the other Milan team, AC Milan did the business against Torino, Raphael Liao scored yet again. That player is unbelievable. What a player Zlatan's on the bench. He's back into the team now, so that should give them a big boost, but now they're on top of the table by three points. Uh, It's great to see Atalanta. One again, no Papu Gomez, no problem. Another shout out to Gasparini, the manager. They've scored seven goals in their last two games this past week. Uh, They're firing on all cylinders, and uh, now they've moved up to fourth. Um, So that'll be – it's crazy, crazy time in Serie A as well. I mean, that's as wide open as I think the Bundesliga is feeling at the moment. So I'm excited to see how the rest of this season plays out.
1: Yeah, and as we speak, by the way, Juventus is one-0 against Asuolo, who has a who have ten men after a red card. There's 30 minutes left in that one, so by the time you listen to this one, we'll see what the result is. But if Juventus are held against Asuolo, then that is big news for the teams above them, including, of course, both Milan, Inter, etc. Heath, any talking points from Serie A? It's still tight. It's still good. It's still interesting um, as we, uh, you know, enter the middle of January.
2: Yeah, only that uh Inter and Juventus are playing soon um on the on the 17th which I think is a huge has huge implications again one uh the Juventus Sassuolo game has a- also big implications for Juventus, right? They they have been the easiest storyline over the last decade or so in Serie A and now find themselves 9 points back or around 9 points. I don't know the exact number, but if they're not able to get the 3 points uh today that really does change things. And then, you know, we've, uh, the storyline stays consistent, which is Inter Milan and, and, and AC Milan are, are battling this out with almost the exact same records, um, other than, uh, Inter having two losses. And also important that AC Milan, after losing to Juventus, have bounced back in the way that they have by being able to sort of get back on, on pace with a two nil win over Torino. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of this is going to come down to Juventus of whether this is going to be a two horse race. Roma, I think, are in it. Atalanta, again, are back to scoring kind of in the ways that they had with, Ellisage Zapata, Muriel, all the guy all the usual suspects that were scoring a lot of goals before. Um, but yeah it's an overall exciting uh, moment right now in, in Syria that hopefully stays tight for, for, for us fans for a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, and as uh, we carry on the season, it's very much like the Bundesliga and even the Premier League, you know, they're getting tight up there. Let's move to Spain because, yeah, go
3: ahead. No, I got to jump in here because I'm looking at this Juve game. Weston McKinney got subbed out the 19th minute. Hopefully he's not hurt. I don't really know too much about it. And Sassuolo just scored. I know we're in the middle of this podcast, but I have to tell you, it's 1-1 right now, which does change. Juve's potential uh, result in that one which obviously can change the reflection of the table but I did want to I did want to bring up the the schedule just so everybody knows Lazio plays Roma which is a crazy derby right that's on Friday and then Inter play Juve and then you have uh, you have Milan playing Atalanta over the next like 10 days I mean it's really gonna be popping off in Serie A I just wanted to Shout it out. Uh, let's talk this. Let's talk about Spain, Luis.
1: <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think it's a really good point, and I'm so glad you just did that because, you know, and this is what, you know, the listeners are here for uh, right now. Apparently, it's a muscular injury that Weston McKinney came off in the 18th minute. Okay, we still okay, don't okay. know the certainty of that. And Paulo Dybala also came out of injured as well. So this is not good for Juventus uh, as they look to try and catch up to the teams above. But stay uh, in tune, of course, with both Dybala and, of course, uh, Weston McKinney. Hopefully the injury is not as serious. Uh, he did just walk it off. He didn't need a stretch or anything like that. So, you know, we'll just have to stay on tune on that one. All right. Heath, I don't, were you about to say something? You say, no, I you no
2: only, only that it's sad that we keep sending Americans to the clubs at the end of their uh, dynasties. You know? <laughs> we got guys at Barcelona, we got Bayern guys Munich. in Juventus, Bayern Munich. Come on, let's go. You know, like, we need guys going into the, into these, uh, you know, their best moments on the back end. you know, it's not good for us.
1: Yeah. It's such a shame. Hopefully that will change very soon. All right. Let's move to Spain, La Liga. Um, let's start, let's go backwards here. Barcelona looking good. Uh, finally, this is finally, uh, and Messi again, looking good. Um, really good. And now they find themselves in third place. Uh, any talking points from Barcelona before we discuss uh, both uh, teams from the capital? Heath, let's begin with you. Barcelona, you know, we talked about how, you know, we didn't know what they were about. Kuman was in trouble, obviously Messi wanting to leave, et cetera. And now they're in third place. They beat Granada for nothing. Messi looked very good. Griezmann is scoring. Um, can they catch up to both Real Madrid and Atleti?
2: Yeah, I think you have to start with if you're putting Real Madrid in the title conversation, then you have to put Barcelona back in the title conversation. They're three points behind Real Madrid. Yeah, Athletic. It's at currently in the way that it's shaping up. If Atletico's, uh, if they if they were to win against Sevilla on Tuesday, they would sort of be in a great position to. It's theirs to lose at that point. I think it puts them at I think four points and two games in hand. Four points ahead and two games in hand. But if you're going to keep Real Madrid in that conversation as a legitimate title contender, there's no way that you can rule out Barcelona in the form that they're in. Obviously, Griezmann... And and Messi two goals a piece, uh, you know. There's a form thing happening there, and I don't know. Again, we I I thought th- I thought we were at that point with Real Madrid. We're okay, we see the Real Madrid that we're going to have. They're in form, but they've continued to drop points uh, since I made that statement like three four three three weeks ago. And so Barcelona actually look like they're trending in the same way. And again, it's week by week with them. But if they were to keep that form, they're going to put a ton of pressure on both Real Madrid and Atletico. And we may be seeing. Three teams come 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 May that that are competing and where every point actually does matter.
1: Yeah, in Andalusia, by the way, Real Madrid tied Osasuna and in Andalusia, listen, like we played well. We just like what we had. What, what Osasuna did was basically just trying to stoke City it up. Like they were just trying not to play your game, and there were complications in terms of the weather and the traveling, the training. But whatever, they they didn't get a win. Nil-nil, Jimmy Conrad, um, Atleti obviously at this point have three games in hand, but Barcelona third place. And to Heath's point, if you're going to talk about Madrid, I guess you now have to talk about Barcelona because they're in third.
3: Yeah. Messi's off to his second best start of a a calendar year in his career. He's got four goals. Yeah. And three assists in his last three games. Absolutely. Just tearing it up. And a lot of people are noticing that he's smiling. There's a smile back on his face. Now. I don't know what that break did. Or now that it's January, he's allowed to talk to other teams. Maybe he, he seems at peace. Whereas before he seemed like, and you can see it with normal people people that you're close to, right? Or some people that you study a lot or just around. You can tell when they're stressed and you can tell when they're relaxed. And he all of a sudden comes out of this winter break. Wasn't a very long one, but he got one and he looks relaxed and he looks like he's enjoying himself. I don't know what that got unlocked for him behind the scenes. Maybe he's already agreed to terms somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm, I'm speculating here as we do here on this podcast, but, but he looks like he's having fun and that's making a big difference. Griezmann is playing well. Ushman Dembele looks like a new signing. And when he's healthy, when you think about yeah. Griezmann, Messi and Dembele as your front three, that's pretty formidable. If all those guys are playing at the highest, at their highest levels. And then you got Ansu Fati, he'll be at some point running back into health. Uh, Pedri look, looking good as well, Chuancao is going to get his, his minutes and then you got De Jong and, you know, pulling the string, I mean it's all kind of starting to shape up. And even though they were under a lot of stress and criticism as they should have been given all the talent they have on their team they're starting to find some good form. So yeah I think you have to put them into the, the, the title contenders, but I will say I want to give a shout out to Sevilla they're on 16 games uh, Madrid and Barcelona are on 18. They just beat Real Sociedad. Who? What? What's going on with Sociedad? La Real, dude. They've won one out of their last twelve. It's a complete free fall over there. We were just talking about how they maybe had a chance, maybe you know, five or six weeks ago, and they got no chance now. So, and that's yeah, why. The, this is why the play- This is why the
2: playoff system is better, Jimmy. You have something to play for all year, you know? Like, you know you're not (laughs) going to win the title. Here we go. Let's take
3: some games off and drift down (laughs) to mid-table and enjoy yourselves. No stress. More time Oh, my God. It's crazy. But Sevilla, uh, Julian Lopetegui rightfully got a new new contract. You know, he's doing very well for them. They're into the, you know, the Champions League uh, round of 16 against Borussia Dortmund. That's going to be a good two-legged affair. Uh, They're on 30 points. They're only four points behind... Uh, Barcelona in third but they have two games in hand so I think Sevilla needs to be kind of thrown into the conversation as well as maybe not title contenders but at least going to be a pain in the butt for a lot of these clubs and I don't think this is a sure thing for Atleti they still have to go get those points just because you have games in hand doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to win anything but the fact that they've only given up six goals in 15 games is next level and that is Diego Simeone at his very best
1: yeah, absolutely. By the way, that Sevilla Real Sociedad game was insane. Sick, sick. <laughs> what was if, it like? Uh, four goals in the first fifteen minutes. One unreal. of them, was, one of them was a great own goal by Diego Carlos. <laughs> 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 he like chipped him from like twenty-five yards out. Um,
2: I, I wanted to say real quickly uh, f- for anybody listening: if Jimmy and I had been given a full season together at Chivas USA in two thousand eleven, you would have seen the same. Very similar goals against uh, average. But, I
3: agree, 100%.
2: Uh, you know, uh,
3: but but it wasn't to be, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't to, to be. be. I got yeah. I was injured after two games. I had to retire. But yeah, but not uh, if Celtic, no, that's true. Not if
1: I, Celtic scouts were watching. Keith, I think
3: yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs>
2: that's true. That's true. I mean, we would have been on the same team. I just would have been on the bench, uh, and Jimmy <laughs> would have been uh, holding down the fort.
1: Oh my God! All right, uh, this is probably a good place for uh, we have a question from our friends, our Madrid Zone. Uh, a fan-based uh, Real Madrid uh, account you know asking about all the youth all the youngsters that Real Madrid have uh, obviously I- I'm pursuing that we're still talking of course about Vinicius Jr who's only 20 years old Rodrigo um, who out of all the, the the youngsters that Real Madrid have who do you think uh, are you looking for to have the brightest future? I mean Martin is still only 22 I know that we know a lot about Jeez. him. But- uh, it's only 20. That's crazy, man. That's
2: insane.
1: So any of them, uh, come to mind, uh, let's start with you, Jimmy, anybody, uh, Real Madrid from the young perspective, you know, it's also a good question because this Real Madrid side is not getting any younger. I uh,
3: think, I think for me, I guess it depends on where we, we, we cut the age, right? Is it under 23? Maybe I'll just use that as uh, yeah, let's uh, use that as a standard. I think Fetty Valverde will probably be the most valuable player for them moving forward. I think he is gained a lot of experience already he's playing with and you know in next to some of the best players in the world I think he's going to learn a ton from Casemiro who's got a lot of mileage on his legs Tony Cruz Luka Modric I think Fetty Valverde is going to probably be the most important of the younger players will he be the one that scores the goals and all that probably not but but in terms of what he brings to the table and how much ground he's going to cover uh, for for many years I think he'll be the most valuable there is something to be said about Rodrigo and Vinicius jr I feel like they have something special though it doesn't seem like the players like playing with Vinicius Jr. He seems to be very, uh, a bit of a ball hog. I think he's like that one player you have on your men's league team. You're like, God, can you be just, maybe we can just not play with him this week. Cause I think we'd all enjoy the experience a little bit more. Uh, and I think that just comes with age. You know, you, you mature a little bit, you start to get a little bit more responsibility and and I'm I'm hopeful that that's what will happen for him, but that's a sense I I get when I watch him. I know, I understand, he's I get it. So but, but young. so young. So for me, my vote would be uh, Fetty Valverde. I think Militao, potentially, he's only 22 as a center back. You know, you start to come in your own around 26, 27 in that position. He's got Veron and Ramos to learn from and to play next to. So maybe Militao. I think he, you know, he has a lot of, uh, I don't think we're anywhere close to his ceiling.
1: Yeah. How about you, Heath? I mean, we also, uh, Kubo as well, right? He's young. Uh, he, he's on loan right now. Or did he come back? He went somewhere else, I feel Kubo. Uh, but he's also another one. Uh, any youngsters from Real Madrid, Heath, that you feel? <laughs> yeah. I'm so trying to get over the fact Odegaard is still so young. He, yeah. I feel like he's 31. Like, it's crazy.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I'm i going to say Vinicius Jr., right? When, yeah. when you go back to when when he came in, he was sort of supposed to be the ball hog. He was supposed to be the Neymar. He was supposed, but when you don't have the, when the final product isn't there consistently, you're just the ball hog, right? Like you're just <laughs> the one that slows the game down in the same way that I look at Pogba when Pogba plays fast, he's great. When Pogba slows the whole game down, then you're like, okay, then, then I need magic from you every single game. Uh, and when you have somebody that has that, the ball that can really change the flow, they can change the speed of the game when things are good, but they can really kill the momentum and the, fluidity of a team that's one that that i i want to see that again at that age that consistency has to come where you need that every single game you need to be pulling two, three defenders over every time you get a ball, because if they don't, you can punish them. Um, and then, and then obviously Rodrigo as well. I think those are the two predictable ones, but those are the ones that I'd like to see for the next gen Real Madrid, as you start to look, you know, comparative. And I, I know that this came from a Real Madrid fan base. But when you look at uh, Usman Dembele and that lack of consistency there d- too, whether injuries or otherwise, you really want somebody to be that next one, because Real Madrid have have actually been able to decently ch- transition off of of, of Ronaldo um, in a way that uh, I think Barcelona will struggle to for a long time. But somebody's going to have to step up and consistently be the star because Real Madrid is built around stars. They're real, the Galacticos, right? They're built around big players delivering, um, and those guys need to be able to do that again age is an issue. And I don't even want to say 23, 24, because the game is much younger. Now the, the, the those players have to be 21, 22 uh, and comfortable uh, with, with uh, being under that, that type of microscope.
1: Yeah. No, good points. I'll just throw my hat. You know, Rainier Jesus is the player that came from Flamengo to Real Madrid, 18 years old. He's on loan at Borussia Dortmund for two years. Uh, he's got a few muscle injury problems, like stop start kind of situations since he moved to Europe That's one to watch out for, I think. But uh, all those players that you just mentioned, I mean, Valverde is a a starter for Uruguay already. Like, he's just, like, ridiculous. Uh, But I I think it's a good point. And by the way, a few years ago, Real Madrid changed its sort of galactical philosophy, really tried to implement more sort of uh, players based in La Liga, et cetera. But to Heath's point, I think they need to remember where their personality and their sort of reputation comes from. All
3: right. uh, That's
1: it, everybody. Can can I say
3: really quick, though? That Ashraf Hakimi, who scored an absolute banger for Inter Milan, is only 21 years old and he was with Real Madrid and they sold him to Inter well, and they loaned him out to Borussia Dortmund. Like, they, they, that's a big mistake, I think. If we're going to talk about young mistake. players they're missing out on, I don't, I don't understand that. And I want somebody to write a book or write a serious article about why they thought it was a good idea to let go of Hakimi. That's all I wanted to throw out there. Thanks. Raheem Diaz, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I want to say also Sergio Regueiro. Yeah,
2: the swag on on Hakimi and the confidence when in that game he had a cutback to, um, I'm 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 blanking on uh, Inter Milan's uh, Lukaku. Sorry, no Lukaku. He had a cutback that he decided to take the shot instead, and Lukaku screaming at him. Um, and whatever. And then the next time got the ball, lined it up and banged it like that's the kind (laughs) of player. That's that Danny Alves type of confidence where you just go, wow. Okay. Like, you know, when you land it, what are you going to say? And, and, and there was, and like you said, Luis, there was that transition a while back where they transitioned away from being the big stars and actually we're having a lot of young players come through the team. And that's when the conversation started shifting saying, Hey, La Masia is actually dead. Those players aren't going to Barcelona anymore, but Real Madrid is picking up all of the young players. Uh, and bringing them through their system, so some of them have to come to fruition because a lot of them, like you just mentioned, haven't yet.
1: Yeah. Well, we will see what happens with Madrid, especially as the market uh, continues to fluctuate, etc. And of course, uh, you know, Sedan, uh, if he stays, if he goes, uh, we will see. All right, parting shots from both of you as we say goodbye on this beautiful Sunday. By the way, let's get a uh, let's get an update on this Juventus game as we're talking. Uh, let's see. Yeah, here. it's
3: one one still, I think
1: with uh, just over 10 minutes to go, still 1-0. Hey, listen, if they draw points, it's still a big problem as they still trail AC Milan by by a pretty wide gap. But any final points here? Let's begin with you, Jimmy. Anything to say goodbye to?
3: No, I just want to let everybody know that these leagues are all popping off. Uh, There are a lot of big games coming up. I know that uh, Liverpool and Manchester United are facing off, Inter-Juventus, you know, so... Yeah. Let's, let's all hang out together and, and maybe watch these games, at least on the social medias and, and I'll see you guys there. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm with you. Thank you, Jimmy. Heath, how about you, buddy? Yeah.
2: Uh, Watch the Eredivisie That's popping off too. Uh, yeah, Ajax, yeah, yeah. Ajax were down uh 2-0 to PSV Eindhoven. Daniel Mullen had two assists for PSVs, one of the guys in the in the golden boot chase uh for Europa League for PSV Eindhoven. Ajax were able to pull level and finish two two. Ajax are on top of the table, I think, by one point, but there's three points between them. Uh Ajax, uh PSV Eindhoven and 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 Fine or F word, if you're an Ajax fan, is what they call yeah. them. <laughs> um and so yeah, it's it's another great league. A lot of young stars. If you're into young players and players coming through the systems, uh not necessarily Americans, but uh, global young superstars is definitely a league worth watching and paying attention to as this title race heats up.
1: I love it. I love it. Great job there adding the PSV uh, Ajax game. All right, everybody, that's that's it from us. Uh, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Heath.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Bye, boys. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter on Keoglasso Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And guess what? You're smart speakers too. You can just say, Alexa, play the latest episode of CBS Soccer Podcast. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of CBS Soccer Podcast. And it will take you right there. So you have plenty of opportunities to listen to us and watch us on YouTube. Thank you so much. And have a great beginning to your week. See you next time.
5: Okay.